You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul, episode 59. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul, and I am in addiction recovery. We are at episode 59. I am at day 28, 29 of my quarantine. It was uh, four weeks ago today that I was laid off from my hotel gig because they were closing down because of the quarantine and the coronavirus and COVID-19 and everything. I think we're all very well caught up on what's going on in the world today. And um, today is day, was it 1,187, I believe, of sobriety for me. Yesterday was month 39. It was this, my soberversary falls on the 13th of every month. And uh, you know, it was, I don't know why, but yesterday seemed like a very tough day um, for me. I, I've, I lacked a lot of uh, motivation to do much of anything. Um, I didn't really... Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough for me to put my hands around why some days are difficult and other days are not. Um, if that resonates with you, then I'm sure you're you're nodding your head right now because to me, to me, it doesn't make sense sometimes. One day is great, and then the next day I wake up and and I don't feel any major shift. I don't feel like a hormonal imbalance. Um, you know, I, I don't think it has anything to do with what I ate or did the day before. I, I, I don't know. Uh, there's some days just feel extremely lackluster and other days feel amazing. You know, uh, when I go a few days without working out, I definitely start to notice there's a, there's a shift in my personality. And so today I will definitely be putting some effort into working out. Um, I will definitely be putting time into reaching out to some friends who have birthdays today. And, um, you know, maybe there's an accumulation of that as well. My dad and my brother just had their birthdays. I've had a couple other friends who've had their birthdays. And, you know, not necessarily that I would have gone to see them, but just the fact that, um, you know, I felt bad that they couldn't do what they normally would have done um, because of this quarantine. You know, and now there's this separation that we're all going through. And um, I really believe that it's, I don't think that they should have ever coined this as social distancing. I think it should have been physical distancing is the term that they should have used because socially there are infinite ways that we can reach out to one another. Uh, There's never been more ways in our entire history of society for us to be able to communicate with people. And in fact, there could be too many right? There's like five or six different social media apps that are definitely uh, cemented themselves in our landscape. You can Zoom, you can phone call, you can FaceTime, you can talk on your Google things, you can ask, you know, your Alexa to, to do something for you. There's so many different ways of communicating. And so I really feel like this is more of a physical distancing. And, and so perhaps that started to play something into it because, you know, at least normally on my soberversaries, I try to plan something cool, uh, go to the zoo, go out to eat, have a nice meal, um, something to that effect. And, and perhaps the fact that this one fell on a quarantine day and it's the first one I've had, perhaps there was that. You know, I, I still can't figure it out. 
Um, if any of you all have uh, ideas for why you think that you go into these sort of slumbery moods, uh, I'd love for you to, you know, post something about it over on Instagram. I'll be posting something about physical versus social distancing. You'll see that um, later on today. If you're listening to this in the archives, you can go back. I'm literally going to make a post where it's just like physical distancing versus social distancing or something, but it won't be too hard to find. Um, But yeah, yesterday was just a tough day. And, um, you know, I'm not thinking that today is that much better. Um, I did wake up with some gusto to prepare for this show um, like I normally do. I have way over prepared for it in the process of coming up with an entire episode on limiting beliefs. um, I think I actually (laughs) came up with an entire episode on communication. Um, I have plenty of notes for limiting beliefs. Um, I could certainly dive into that for the next half an hour. Uh, But I think I want to discuss communication on this one. And uh, maybe I just need to start talking to you guys more often. Maybe once a week isn't enough. Um, Because there's just so much change going on within me. These ebbs and flows, these ups and downs. One day is great, the next day is not. One day I just want to sit here and, and binge watch stupid television that I'm not even enjoying. And then other days, you know, I'm doing two or three workouts and I'm eating correctly and everything's happy. And and I don't, I don't understand why some days are better than others. Um, And I certainly think that in the process of understanding myself better through this quarantine, and maybe you have something similar, um, there's been a lot of opportunity for me to reach out to friends that I haven't talked to in a while to feel that connection that is so important in our sobriety and recovery, right? Somebody, um, I posted something on Instagram the other day about how um, sobriety isn't like the end all. It's all about getting the tools you need to become this better version of yourself. And figuring out what that looks like to you is of the utmost importance. You know, did you not have enough connection in your addiction life and now you need more of it in your sober life? Did you have too much connection? Back then, did you surround yourself with so many friends that you never allowed yourself to sit in a quiet place and really declutter the the insanity that was going on in your head? Um, were you um, too often leaving the house so that you didn't have to feel isolated versus now you're always isolated, right? So there's so many different ways that you guys can go through this. And for me to even begin to understand what it is that you're going through um, would just drastically minimize what it is that you're what that's happening in your life and that's really something that I I I think about a lot when I'm putting these episodes together is that yes I want to bring tangible conversations that mean something and that help you grow and that perhaps open your mind up to an entirely different perspective or way of thinking that you didn't previously know about I've gotten a lot of really great feedback on the energy episode from uh, a week or two ago, Toward Versus Away, and that's something that I think about all the time. I talk about it all the time, and I didn't even realize I hadn't done its own episode, and so now what a great perspective shift so many of you seem to be having. What was my point? (laughs) Um, I seem to have lost it. Um, I guess what I go about thinking when it comes to the show is that it's a very fine line between using this as sort of like an audio uh, diary versus bringing actual um, depth and perspective to everyone. Oh, oh, let me go back. Okay. To, to understanding everybody else's uh, journeys and not necessarily knowing them. I'm just Jesse. I only know my own perspective. 
right? I, I know that, you know, I was, you know, born in Oklahoma, uh, white, tall, straight, male, college educated, uh, you know, born with, you know, semi-Christian um, religion in the house and values and whatnot. I can't understand the perspective of a woman or a person, um, you might be African-American, you might be Hispanic, you might be from Africa, you might be from uh, Europe. I don't know your perspective. And even beginning to try to equate what I've gone through with what you've gone through, it minimizes your life's journey. I will think a ton of different things. And it's like, I got to run it through a filter of, is that going to come off as insensitive? Is that going to come off as harsh? I, I know I've said some things that are probably, some listeners are like, okay, this dude's whack and they may never come back. Other people might like my perspective and just how I speak right off the, the, the cuff. And, and I don't often monitor whatever I'm saying. Um, I've gotten a lot of really great feedback about my little inspirational soapbox tangents at the end of the episodes. And then I've also had people say, yeah, I don't, that's not what I'm plugging in for. You can turn it off then or you can, you can stay on. Um, but back to the point of what I'm, I'm trying to get across here is that there, there's times where I will say things like, you know, well, your trauma is not your fault, but it is your responsibility to heal it. It's a quote that I have written up on my wall. I look at it every single time I do these episodes. I've got tons of quotes that, that help reel it back in what I'm saying. Um, here's another one. It isn't just what you think. It's how you feel about what you think. Another one I have up on here is I am willing to fail repeatedly for the sake of the impossible goal. Back to the trauma is not your fault, but it is your responsibility to heal it, is that there'll be times where I'll mention really bad trauma. It could be rape or incest or beatings or the myriad, right? I've gone through so many different ones. I cannot even begin to fathom what that must feel like to go through that kind of physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual trauma if if you have those. I know what it's like to watch my mother um, die from Crohn's for 20 years and drink herself to death for 10. I know what it's like to watch my stepdad um, consume sugar and cigarettes and caffeine like he was getting paid to do it. And regardless of the amount of heart attacks and strokes that he had, he just continued on with that behavior. I understand mine, but I don't understand yours. I've never gone through that. And so I can't even begin to try to equate what I've gone through to what you've gone through. I will consistently and constantly be pushing you to understand that there are different ways to see what has happened in your life and to shift your perspective so that it no longer becomes the anchor around your neck that drowns you down, but it instead becomes the thing that empowers you. I mean, that's the thing about limiting beliefs is that we take something that's happened to us externally now I'm getting chills, so clearly I'm, I'm starting to say something that, that's, that means something or is powerful to me. Um, that's the thing about limiting beliefs is that we take something that has happened to us externally and we place our identity upon it and we use that as the reason why we can no longer achieve something that we would like to. You know, I, I consistently talk about the one woman who uh, from... Oh, was it Pakistan? Um, she won the Nobel Peace Prize, I believe. Hold on, let me brainstorm. Malala Yousafzai. Malala 
Yusuf site. I had to put this thing on pause and bounce over to the internet to figure that one out. Um, I consistently bring up Malala Yousafzai because she had um, like uh, acid thrown into her face because she wouldn't accept um, the Taliban's rule over her. And she went on to stand up against the Taliban and open up schools for, for children in, in the Taliban areas to learn. Basically, she just refused to follow the the system that the Taliban was trying to put into place. Now, she could have taken getting the acid thrown in her face and the damage that it caused and just slinked back down, allowed them to rule over her and not have stood up to the oppression. And why I consistently bring this up is because, I mean, that's got to be a pretty damn traumatic experience. And she used it to empower her rather than disempower her. And that's now I'm now I'm starting to get into a role here. (laughs) That's what I want all of you to really grasp about yourself is that you can use these traumas to empower or you can use them to disempower, right? I mean, that's the bottom line. It's like those are two distinct paths that you can take. Anytime something happens to you, you get those two paths, empowerment or disempowerment. Now, from there, you know, thousands upon thousands of different Uh, forks appear and decisions need to be made in order to get you where you would desire to go, right? You can start taking an empowerment angle and then before you know it, you can find yourself in disempowerment. You could start in disempowerment and find yourself in empowerment, all right? It's all about your daily work that gets you towards it. And so when I bring up these traumas, by no way am I trying to minimize them because I can't equalize my life to what you've gone through. But I can certainly open my mind up and and ask questions and learn about what it is that you have gone through just so that I can develop the empathy that it is necessary to be a well-rounded human, right? I I think that's something that our society has lacked for quite a few years, Um, maybe well past into the 90s and 80s, but definitely it seems like ever since 9-11, our country has been like, there's us and there is them. In reality, it's all of us here. And yes, there are the, 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 the bad, evil, negative players in the world. Um, but then there's a lot of us that are just, we just want to live our lives. And we want to be able to go to work, to provide for our families, to come home and have a safe place to raise our children and our dogs and, and, and to uh, develop ourselves and our hobbies and our talents and our skills. And we don't want to worry about a missile blowing up our neighbor or there being food shortages and having to wait in a six-hour long line to get bread. And while these are some uh, very drastic examples, I don't think it's been until we've gotten into this quarantine that we've realized just how similar our society is to those that are around the world, right? We are just as prone to um, panic buying. We are just as prone to lashing out at, at the people we think are in charge and should be doing better. We are just as prone at lashing out. Um, across party lines. If you're a Republican or a Democrat, no doubt your Facebook feeds have been full of stories about how your side's doing it better than the other side's doing it. When in reality, (laughs) I don't see how any of that pertains to anything. We're all in this quote-unquote together, but yet we're still finding ways to separate ourselves while we're in this together. And I do so hope that as this crisis begins to 
um, narrow down and we start to see a light at the end of the tunnel, and I don't think that that's going to come for another month or month and a half, that we start to really come out of this and think to ourselves, how are we going to better communicate with one another? And that just because they don't believe the same things we believe or look the same way, speak the same way, dress the same way, that we start to realize that everybody has an importance in our society. Right. I, I once saw a really cool quote that said, even if everyone had master's degrees, you'd still need someone to do your dry cleaning, to deliver your pizzas, and to pump your gas. No matter if everyone in society had the best education possible, and we all had that quote-unquote privilege to use in order to get ahead in life, there's still the major players that really keep society running. I once saw a documentary, it was, uh, it was about Los Angeles, called The Day Without a Mexican. If I believe that's the title of it. And it really, literally, like the Hispanic population, we were to go on strike in L.A., how things would just like crumble down around us. My therapist has turned me on to a book uh, called The Working Poor, Invisible in America, that I'm going to start soon. To just really understand, like, who are the the essentials? versus the non-essentials, right? Like, And again, I think everybody is essential, but for some reason, media has decided to tag this essential versus non-essential line on so many of these jobs. And the ones that are essential turn out to be the ones that keep the grocery stores running, that keep the Walmarts and Targets going, the truck drivers that keep the toilet paper getting delivered so that you can go out and panic buy 14,000 rolls of toilet paper that you're not going to be able to return. Right, the delivery driver who brings your pizza, the the gas station attendant that, that that's there to make sure that you can get gas, so that you can drive to the stores to buy your fourteen thousand rolls of toilet paper. All of a sudden, we're starting to realize that um, a lot of these people we thought were essential—the stock market people, the banker people—yeah, yeah, not really all that essential. Yeah, we, you could shut your doors for a little while, and we're not really going to miss a beat. So. It's within this opportunity that we're now starting to see who really is important, who's really keeping this country running. And I think when we start to dive into the our overall view of how society has been treating um, the working poor, that we'll start to realize that it's those people that have been keeping everything going. And perhaps there's a, a better way for us to start being more inclusive in this society so that everyone feels like their role is validated and is important. I do so hope that that made sense and resonated with you all because these are things that I've been thinking about a lot. And again, is this always going to be a, a, a little vloggy diary or is this going to have uh, pertinent things to learn from? I'm hoping that I can do both of those in this episode. So, that was sort of my ramble on the communication aspect and how we're seeing society. Um, in my show notes, I did write out here is that we are communicating with people we have not in a long time. I and mean, here are some tips that you can use. You can also be using these tips to just uh, better communicate with those people that, at the grocery store, at, at, at the big box stores, at the gas station, at these businesses that have been uh, keeping this country running for the last month or so. Um, it, and previously had really been overlooked. And I don't think anyone should be treated unfairly because of the job that they have. Um, even though I have mistakenly tied my identity um, to the fact that I have been a waiter or a bartender or in the hospitality industry for so long, and that's all I'll ever be. 
right? And I know very well that I have talents in other areas and I'm pushing myself out of my comfort zone daily to really embrace that new version of myself that's coming, right? I've been speaking, I've been writing books, I've, I've been writing speeches, I've been doing this now ever since I got sober. And the more and more I do it, the more and more I'm able to release that limiting belief that I was only going to be a hospitality worker and and again, I've loved that career. I've loved the people I've met. I've loved. I love helping tourists find the coolest things to do. Um, but I've always felt like there was something else that was my calling in life. And I still have a ton of friends that are in hospitality because that's who my friends have been for the last twenty-five years, and they have made remarkable, remarkable lives for themselves. And when you go in and you see these people working hospitality and you, you might have a less than kind of mentality towards them, I can only um, instigate you to start to see that differently now in society and start to realize that their role is extremely important. Um, I guarantee you right now, if the president were to say, everyone can go out to eat for the next eight hours and it'll be fine, don't worry, for eight hours we have somehow figured out a way that the coronavirus will leave everybody alone, I guarantee you half this country would run out to a restaurant right now. And who do you think is going to help make that happen? The hospitality workers. So anyways, enough about that. Um, we're communicating with people we have not to in a long time. Here's some trips. Here's some tips to keep in mind. I'm trying to prove yourself and what you have been through minimizes other people's struggles. I said this earlier. I, I think about this all the time when I'm doing the shows, right? Uh, when somebody you haven't talked to in a while and you ask them, well, how's life going? How's the career? How's the family? Right? It's that sort of internal desire to build a bridge with that person and to feel like we're in a communication with them, that it's a, that it's a dialogue and not a monologue. So we want to try to, they say, oh yeah, you know, I've had some problems with my family. You know, I drink too much and oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I had the same thing. Boy, I'll tell you why I shouldn't have been drinking so much. My dad got mad at me. It's like you immediately take the talking stick out of their hand and now you're trying to equalize what you've been through, right? So that you can build that bridge. But what you're really doing is, is you're, you're minimizing their struggles because you specifically ask them what's going on in their life. And now you've taken the talking stick into specifically bring the spotlight back on yourselves. I have a friend who is a lovely soul, um, been sober for over 30 years. He does this all the time. He'll ask me how my sobriety is going. I'll get about four sentences in. He'll yank the talking stick away and put the spotlight back on him. And that's where it will be for the remainder of the conversation. I know this about him. When I, when I talk to him, I know that this is going to happen. I love him to death. And so I, I will allow it. And there'll be times where I'm like, okay, dude, do I get to express myself here at all? Right? When, when you're in these conversations, people want to know that you hear them, you see them, you appreciate them. They want to feel validated. So much about our society just cuts people off at the kneecaps and doesn't allow them to be seen, heard, felt, appreciated, validated. All of these essential workers that are working day after day, that are going out there and getting up and going to the grocery store while the rest of us you know, get to go shop there. They're working there to make sure that the, the, the beans and rice and the toilet paper are restocked. They just want some validation. They just want to know that they're seen. That you feel like they're a, that they're a part of society, and they're not just this ragamuffin. I don't know what the hell a ragamuffin is. I remember that from something. But people want to be seen. So number one is 
trying to prove yourself and what you've been through minimizes other people's struggles. When you go to contact someone you haven't heard from in a while, be actively listening and ask more questions. I did this with my sister yesterday. Um, I've I desperately want to be able to really reconnect and rebond with this woman. We weren't that close as children. We got very addicted together uh, back in the late 90s, early 2000s, and then I went away to college, and we got very much separated. And I've realized that when we get into our conversations, I'll ask her something, and she'll get a minute or two into what she wants to talk about, and then I'll hijack it, and I'll bring it back to me. And that's not actually building a bridge. That's, That's actually knocking the wind out of her sails. I need to be asking questions. And if I don't understand something, come back and ask it again. And this goes to to tip number two. Asking questions can seem like we are interested in someone else's life, but the questions can often come off as insensitive um, and, and I using quotes here, uneducated. This is something that I battle with whenever I am talking with anyone who's not like me. You know, at the hotel here in Hollywood, um, there there is a very strong LGBTQ um, amount of people. There are very strong African American uh, people working there. There's there's a lot of people who are not this white Anglo-Saxon Protestant Middle American tall white dude, right? I will ask questions where I I just I'm literally just interested in the answer. I'm I'm just I'm keenly aware that I have not lived their life and I want more perspective so I can develop empathy so that I can just walk a mile in their shoes, even if it's just metaphorically. I have to be mindful about how the questions might come off as insensitive, uneducated. And I'll even say that. Be like, look, this might come off as insensitive. This might come off as uneducated. I don't necessarily know how to ask this, but it's something that I'm wondering and and I'm curious about. So, you know, please just, you know, kid gloves here. Because I might ask something that they're just like, seriously, bro? But it's like, you know, if I've never seen the color blue and you're trying to show me the color blue and I have no way to draw a line from what I know about red to what this is now being seen as blue, I I might ask some ridiculous questions. You might ask some ridiculous questions. Pre-frame it. Be like, you know, I have no idea what you've gone through. And I'm super curious. I want to make sure that that uh, the, the, the connection here is made and that I'm not just letting things that confuse me float over my head for the sake of not wanting to have that tough conversation. Obviously, at work, I have to be very mindful of the environment. Um, will, you know, will a table, will a guest want to call me over? And now all of a sudden, what was a very deep, impactful conversation has to be ended. And therefore, I don't really get the answers I want. They don't feel like they really had a chance to um, tell me their story. So just be mindful of the, of the way that you're asking questions. And I'm not saying don't ask the questions. Right, you're in a meeting with all these people, whether it's on Zoom or in the past or when we were at AA and, and refuge meetings and in the future when we'll be back at those. There is a cornucopia of people of all different shapes and sizes and colors. And you're not going to have any idea what those people went through. But you want to. You want, you, you want to step into that and you want to be a part of the conversation. And so you can just pre-frame it. Hey, you know what? This might come off um, as, you know, uneducated, misinformed, even ignorant. I don't, I don't know, but I'm super curious. I mean this and no ill, with no ill intention, but, and then, you know, you can ask the question, right? 
It, it, it can defuse a situation. Um, other people might say now you're, you're implanting the idea that what you're getting ready to ask is insensitive. Uh, you know, it, that's going to land. However, that's going to land just like the question's going to land, right? You can either say, oh, I'm not going to mention that it's going to be insensitive because then it will give them the idea that it's insensitive. So I'm just going to ask my question. And then they're going to take that question however they, they decide to through their perspective. So I say throwing a little extra explanation in there never hurts a thing. Right, it might actually start up a really awesome conversation on top of the question that you've already asked. Uh, what are your step tip three? Uh, what are your intentions for reconnecting? Right, one of my friends and I we were talking on Facebook the other day, and uh, she said something pretty cool. It was vul- vulnerability has no cost, and no one gets to dictate how you see it through. This ride is solely for you, Jesse, and how it transcends towards others will be revealed in how they respond and treat you back. Right? Again, vulnerability has no cost and no one gets to dictate how I see it through. I'm working very, very, very much so on opening myself up um, vulnerably um, to not having my perspective always uh, agreed upon to learning other people's perspectives. And there is a definite butt up against my head, a definite head butt happening when someone else has got a very strong belief that I have the opposite of. And I want to be inclusive and I don't want to be exclusive. So I open up myself with this vulnerability to say, okay, I, I may not agree with what you're getting ready to say, but I want to understand your point of view better. When you haven't talked to somebody in a long time, you ask yourself, are the intentions for reconnecting to to learn more about them and their perspective on life and what they've been through? Or is it to validate what you've accomplished against what they've accomplished? Right? Are you being vulnerable or are you being egotistical in in the reaching out? I have one friend in particular that I have been dying to get in touch with for at least two years now, and I still have not reached out. Um, I I did not behave well at their bachelor party. I did not go to his wedding because of that. And he really is, uh, he played a very integral role in um, helping me get into the gym in my late 20s. Um, And I really do credit the fact that I had a very decent, if not strong, workout regimen in place throughout most of my 30s as to being why I didn't die from my alcoholism. All right, so how your vulnerability transcends towards others will be revealed in how they respond and treat you back. And if you get the, the, the kind of interaction that you desire, then you know that that's somebody that you can keep in your corner. If they don't act like they can get down with your level of vulnerability and how you want to discuss things, then that's a great opportunity to say, okay, well, I've made that reconnection. I can always just like their photos on Facebook and move on, um, but at least I know that they're doing well and I mean them no ill intention moving forward. Uh, they're just not going to necessarily be in my um, you know, inner circle. So understand what your intentions are for reconnecting and go into it with a positive intentions. Be vulnerable, express yourself, but also make sure that you give them the opportunity to express themselves in a way where you're not throwing judgment um, or trying to equalize uh, or, heaven forbid, trying to one-up them because there's no healthy relationship that comes from that transactional, oh, you did this, well, I did this. Anything you can do, I can do better. I can do anything you can do too. That's not healthy. Okay, Um, number four, what are your expectations? All right, it's great to reconnect, but there has to be an idea for what this would look like for you during the reconnection and what it might look like down the road. 
right? Just pick up the phone and call someone randomly. I am all for that. But as you get into the conversation, is uh, are you going to start making false promises? Oh, man, we got to do this. We should talk every week now during the quarantine, right? You Sure, you got tons of time now, but here in about a month or two, life is going to go back to normal, right? And are you going to then talk to them in a year or two and be like, oh, remember that time we had that really cool catch-up during the quarantine? Well, now how are things, right? There's no need to make... Um, these absolute promises of constant reconnection with with them, right? You don't have to, to make it mean more than it necessarily does. It was just an opportunity to reconnect. Now you've had this conversation, and maybe, maybe now once every two or three months you ring them up and you find out how life is going. When someone lives in Orlando and I live in Los Angeles, there's only so much I'm going to be able to connect with them in any way other than a phone call or social media. It's not like I fly to Florida every other week and can just run into them randomly at the store. Uh, will you keep in touch or will you call them in another year? You, you, it doesn't really, that doesn't really matter as of now. You just keep in mind that as you're randomly calling these, these people up, it's like make it a conversation that you both walk away happy you are in. And that will open up an opportunity for deeper connections in the future. If you haven't talked to somebody in five years, like I haven't talked to my friend um, Prid, then yeah, the the likelihood that in that first conversation, everything's going to go back to the way it was when we used to go to the gym five days a week is very minimal, right? But now you've opened up that bridge. Now that now that conversation can start to happen, you can ring them up, right? You You won't feel so weird calling them on their birthday or calling them on Christmas to see how their kids are doing. Uh, it, things will be different if you choose for them to be different, right? Everyone is going to see this coronavirus outbreak and have a subsequent quarantine. In the su- let me start that sentence over. <laughs> Everyone is going to see this coronavirus outbreak and the subsequent quarantine differently. Did you? If if they lost their job, lost financial security, lost a loved one, was separated from a loved one, I have a really good friend whose wife and son live in France, and he lives here in L.A. and he travels back and forth for work, and he's stuck here now and won't be able to see them again till Christmas. That's what he's being told. Christmas. His experience of this quarantine is not going to be the same as mine. Whereas I'm basically just being isolated in my house, which is where I usually liked being anyways. I'm constantly working, so I'm doing the same thing I like to do anyways. He literally has to get on Skype four or five times a day just to see his wife and son. That is, He is not going to have the same experience that I did. So be mindful of how you're um, referencing this whenever you're talking to people that you haven't heard from in a long time. Right, They may have literally lost a grandparent to this, and you might just be annoyed because you can't go to the gym. Right, Everyone's going to have a different experience from this, especially when we get out. For those of us in the hospitality industry, we're going to be talking to our tables. We're going to be talking to our guests. I, I work in a very international hotel. I'm going to have people from all around the world. I mean, and I will have no idea what this looked like to them. I'm very curious to find out what it looked like overseas in Europe and Africa and Asia. And on any given day, I would hear 15 accents. I'm very curious as to what happened, but I'm going to have to also be equally mindful that I might ask that question to a table and they could have lost a great deal in all of this. And all I did was get laid off for two months and have to manage my finances better. 
right? So everyone's going to have a different perspective on this outbreak and just being mindful of that whenever we move forward as a society and we begin to talk about the effects that this has had on us, right? Whereas the politicians, I, so I at least my belief, I feel like they so often want to bring this back to the economy and jobs and all that. And yes, yes, that stuff is important, but it's not as important as lives. And I just feel like it's not just here. I've, I've been reading articles about 10 or 15 other countries. When I hear their leaders speak, I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I, I just don't, I just don't really get that you have empathy, sympathy, or compassion for your citizens. I just feel like you're annoyed that you, ha- that you can't put us all back to work. <laughs> all right. Like I know what I've been through. I don't know what you've been through. Perspective is very important to appreciate in order to have that gratitude and humility that I speak about so much. Just understand that we're all coming at things differently. We all communicate differently. We all have all these different perspectives. I don't know if this has been a very coherent show (laughs) as I wrap it up. I really feel like I've been all over the place, Um, but maybe that's just my brain. Today's one of those, my brain's all over the place kind of, kind of conversations. I just, there's so many different things, right? Like maybe yesterday was just me feeling extremely uncomfortable because I am consistently pushing myself out of my comfort zone. And I'm just, I, I just want to learn more. And it's like I froth at the mouth for just these new opportunities to see the world differently. I'll, I'll, I'll leave on this. No matter how much I learn, no matter how much I put myself in situations that are uncomfortable, no matter how much I surround myself with people who are different than me so that I can develop uh, an understanding of their world, so I can develop an empathy that I really believe is paramount to society growing in the right direction, no matter how much effort I put into this stuff, it still, to this day, baffles me when a switch is flipped and all of a sudden, I see something that I never even knew was there. It's like I have spotlights on the things that I am used to. I have spotlights on the things that I know, that I'm comfortable with. I have spotlights on what Jesse is familiar with. And everything else is just darkness. And then out of nowhere, boom! Switches flipped. Pop! Lights pop on. And now I see something that was literally right in front of me. You know, if you visualize it in your mind, it would almost be like you were in like an art exhibit. And you know how they have the lights that are directly above the art that just shine down on it, and then there's shadows all over the place? Well, in, in this metaphor, in this analogy, whatever, it's literally like it's just a never-ending space of darkness, and there's just these lights that shine down on things that I know. And right next to it is just pitch black, like just just depths of a black hole darkness and then boom a switch goes on and all of a sudden it's lit up and I'm like how the hell did I not see that it was right next to this thing that I've seen for years it's right next to this thing that's been illuminated most of my life and this was literally right next to it and I never saw it I'm still baffled by that and I and it's in those moments whenever that switch is flipped and I see things differently that I just feel so blessed that I push myself outside of my comfort zone and into unfamiliar territories so that I could experience that enlightenment, so that I could experience that empowerment of not knowing something, of not feeling something, of not seeing that person the way that I see them now from not understanding their perspective. It's just, it it baffles me. It, It fuels me. It makes me so happy when another 
light is flipped. And I hope that it's doing the same for you. I hope that as you're pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone, when you go to meetings or you're interacting with people who are unlike you, that a, that a switch is flipped and all of a sudden you realize, man, at the core, we're all just humans. We need food and water and warmth and shelter, and we just want to live a happy life, and we want to be able to experience abundance for whatever that looks in our lives. We, we want to grow and develop and have families and love them until they until they die at a natural age for natural causes and we just we want to keep ourselves away from that that scarcity mindset and that sadness and and, and that that loss like we're all so similar so you just have to start looking past the dissimilarities i assure you when you do that switches will be flipped lights will come on and you will feel empowered and enlightened in ways that you never knew were possible. And you too will feel this baffling. And in fact, I believe that you do on a consistent basis. I'm just bringing it out of the shadows and into the light so that you can understand that this is the kind of stuff you have been doing for the however long you've been doing it. And the more you do it, the better version of yourself will evolve from that, and it will only get better. And if we could do this as a collective unit on this planet, I swear on everything holy and sacred, we could finally turn that corner that humanity has been stuck around for centuries. And we could actually start moving toward being a one world community. I love you all. Remember inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. Thank you for sticking around for my little uh, 40 minute (laughs) diatribe. Uh, I really hope that this resonated with you. As always, I am honored, honored, honored that you spend time with me. Um, I have a whole episode about limiting beliefs. I think I'll put that out soon. Um, I got some really great guests lined up. Just take care of yourself. Be safe. Wear a face mask and wash your hands and do all the cool safety, healthy, conscious stuff because I want you all to stick around uh, so you can enjoy your sobriety and recovery as much as um, I do. And when you have those bad days like I did yesterday, just know that um, there is light waiting for you the next day. I almost said the sun will come out tomorrow. I don't know. <laughs> if I don't know how many of you I would have lost when I started busting out an Annie song. All right, much love, everyone. I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you.